This is the Horse Radio Network. Hello, this is episode 401 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Fairfield Inn, and Total Saddle Fit. In this episode, we go behind the horse show scenes with Nanette Reed, a USCF Large R Technical Delegate and owner of Show Your Horse, LLC. Karen Abatista from Sarasota, Florida. And Tim Christensen from Miami City, Florida. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. So, Tim, what's been going on? Well, let's see. Just kind of trying to get back on pace after a very busy holiday season. Um, we had a great Christmas and a great New Year's. And just kind of getting ready now to gear up for clinics and shows and um, getting ready for a very busy 2017. How about you? I have been rocking and rolling as well. Lots going on this year. Wait a minute. Um, wait, wait, wait. Stop. Hmm? Stop the presses. What? You have been doing one thing for the past 10 days and one thing only. Talk about waiting on the internet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I will. I will. I'll say it. I, I was trying not to be. Okay. You okay. have been waiting for your new modem to show up, haven't you? Yes, I have been. And you've been grinding your teeth, and you've been cribbing, and you've been stall walking, and yeah, all those things. If you were a horse okay. right now, you'd have ulcers. I would. I'd be, She'd be burning tranquilized. inside. <laughs> She'd be tranquilized. <laughs> we, need, we need to get you a, a stall ball or an Uncle Jimmy's licky thing or something to keep your keep your nerves at bay. So poor, poor Karen no, stuck on her landline again. Yeah, poor Karen <laughs> stuck on her landline. Tim's always on his landline because Tim's old school, but Karen is suffering through a telephone call this week. So thank you very much for suffering through it with us. Um, so you guys are both looking forward to the new show season already? Yes, we are. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, we have um, – Western Dressage has just exploded in Florida. I mean, there's – how many shows up at the horse park, Tim? There are, oh, I think Nanette is doing, I, th- I want to say four or five for each year. Um, and that's just in hers with the USCF. So, um, yeah, the, the, the Western Dressage is just, it's just going like gangbusters. It, it's just wonderful and so refreshing to see the enthusiasm um, for the sport and for the discipline and seeing so many people coming back in and, wanting to ride and just expand their, their knowledge. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. So I think we're looking at a really good 2017 coming up. So do you think that the, the explosion in the popularity of Western dressage, do you think that it is fueled more by people who have never done any competitions of any sort? Or do you think it's more people who have, uh, been showing and are trying out. They would, they're just looking for a new and more interesting discipline. What do you think, Tim? I think it's a combination of both. Um, you know, it, Western Dressage is allowed um, it, the person who's never had any competition experience to to be able to get a little more formal, to really maybe to work on some fundamentals that they'd never worked on before, 
you know, sitting squares, you know, straight lines and just getting a nice contact with your horse and whether they just trail ride or, you know, even we've even seen barrel racers who just apply some of the methods. But what we have seen, or particularly for me, is I'm just seeing such a return of so many people from the horse show world. Maybe they used to show. Um, we see moms who their kids showed, and now the kids are off to college, and now it's their turn. And they look at the whole show world, and it's such a huge commitment of time and financial resources, if you want to do the breed level, that they're like, well, you know, my way behind the eight ball, but the dressage, they can come in, and we can, you can plug anybody into Western Dressage, no matter where they are in their riding. Um, the and I think Karen and I have Jen. really found... Oops, sorry. Tell Jen what you told me when you went down to the quarter horse show about how much money you need to play. It was a comment was made to me, and this was at a big, big, the big, a big winter show down here in the pleasure world is, and this is from a, a, a pretty well-off individual who has been involved in horses for a long time. And he said, and to play in that discipline down there at the high end, and we're talking in the, in the pleasures or maybe even the high end Western riding, the high end trail. Um, he truly felt that you better have a million dollars of disposable income. Yeah, not so, just a million dollars, disposable income. Of disposable income to play. And I think when you look at that and you look at the cycle or where everything's evolved to, and then whenever you get into competitions and, and you know, in the show world, and, you know, you hear things about the hits and you hear Wellington whiff, and um, it just takes so much money. Um, and not only just money, but it takes such a huge time commitment out of your life to compete at such a high level. So therefore, I think what you see is you see so many people who don't really want to A, spend that kind of money, even if they have it, or B, if they have the, a family, they have other functions going on, they're not going to commit their life to it because there's other things going on. And what we have seen is that the Western Dressage is just filling a niche. A, they can learn some things no matter where they're at in their riding career, um, beginning, advanced, young horse, old horse, uh, we've refurbished or repurposed many show horses I have now, um, but they can plug in and then there's, they still have an element of competition. So it's kind of just fulfilling that niche, but they're having fun. Um, and it's just the camaraderie is really taken off. So it has just been, for me, it's been a fabulous journey. Um, and well, I have loved every minute of it. And also so, think about the fact that, you know, you have a friend who bought a very expensive young horse and, um, you know, after spending, you know, many, many digits worth of, <laughs> of money, yeah. didn't even place in the ribbons, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. In, and, and that's... In dressage, it doesn't matter where, where you place. It's a number right. you're competing against yourself. You can still win without having to win over somebody, you know, without having someone else lose. Does that make so, sense? Well, I think what you're getting at there is dressage, because you get direct feedback from judge or judges every time you compete, that has a certain appeal because when you go in, you are competing against a standard versus one another. Now, yes, you are competing against one another to some degree, 
But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you maybe came in fourth in your class of 17 riders. But you get that piece of paperback from the judge that says, this is how you managed that score. And, mm-hmm. it, and, it, and I think Correct. that has a real appeal to somebody when they're competing because you get feedback from the judge themselves and it gives you places where you can go. It gives you direction each every time you compete. And you know one of the things yeah. that always appealed to me about dressage shows and being an eventer, there weren't a lot of things that appealed to me about dressage shows. But one of the things that did is the ability to say, you know, I entered three classes, and on Saturday I ride at at uh, noon time. Oh, yeah, you got a designated time slot. And Sunday, yep. <laughs> Sunday I ride at 9.15 and 2.45, and I know exactly when I'm going to ride. Um, and it, it gives you a lot more control over your schedule and your life. And for people, like you said, the, the a high demographic of people who are picking up riding in general and as well as Western dressage are people with a lot else going on in their life. They're people who have careers. They're people who have kids. They're people who have family members yep. that they have to drag to soccer. So being able to yep. do that has a real place. And I think that's one of the reasons both Western and English or traditional dressage continue to have this huge growth spurt because of that ability to know what's going on and when. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. For the OCD equestrian. For the o- for dressage <laughs> for the OCD equestrian. <laughs> I love it. All right, then. So um, the other thing we have going on, which I want to mention before we cut to a break, is uh, starting this month, uh, Jack Aristotle Blue, who has been our guest before. She's wonderful. Um, she's the author of 101 Western Dressage Exercises. She's going to start um, send, uh, contributing a training tip every month. She's going to tell you uh, how, why, and uh, wherefore. Uh, you should do one of the exercises in her cool. book. And I think that's going to be pretty... Yeah, I think that's going to be really, really exciting. That's cool. So anyway, let's uh, take a short break, and when we get back, we can talk to Nanette and find out a little bit more about what's involved in putting on one of those Western dressage shows. The Horse Radio Network is excited to announce a new partnership with the Fairfield Inn North by Marriott in Lexington, Kentucky for Road to the Horse and Rolex. The Fairfield Inn North is right off Newtown Pike and Route 64 near the Cracker Barrel and only 10 minutes from the horse park the back way, you know, the low traffic way. The Fairfield Inn North has spacious rooms that are being completely renovated now and will be ready in time for Road to the Horse. Plus, the Fairfield Inn North offers complimentary breakfast, a free Wi-Fi throughout the hotel, a huge free parking lot, a business center, indoor swimming pool and jacuzzi, outdoor patio with grill, a laundry facility, and much more. The Cracker Barrel is located right next door, and there are four other dining options available for breakfast, lunch, and dinner right around the corner. Just for listeners of Horse Radio Network, we have negotiated some great rates for you for Road to the Horse and Rolex. For Road to the Horse, we have the rate down from $160 to $120. If you're going to Rolex, we have the rate down to $199 from $260. There's a very limited number of rooms available at these rates, so call in your reservations as soon as possible. 
Search for Fairfield Inn North in Lexington, Kentucky. It's the one on Hackney Place. You must call in your reservation and ask for the Road to the Horse or the Rolex Early Bird Special. So that's the Road to the Horse or Rolex Early Bird Special. Search for Fairfield Inn North by Marriott. And joining us today is Nanette Reed, and Nanette is very active in putting on um, USCF dressage shows and and the USCF Western shows. So she is joining us today to kind of give us an a inside look at the perspective at a horse show from the show secretary's point of view. So Nanette, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Tim. So what Nanette, how long have you been putting on horse shows? Well, I've been in the horse industry for a very, very, very long time, and I guess the very first time I actually myself put on a horse show would have been a barn show in Miami back in the 70s, but when I moved to the Gainesville area, I put on um, monthly horse shows, all breed, all disciplines, at a facility that used to be on Newberry Road, which now houses a Publix, that was called Southern <laughs> Showplace. And it was actually a rodeo arena, and we had shows there every single month. Wow. From probably wow. 1982 through 1987. And, and um, I wasn't so much out there then, other than yeah. the university. So you have um, opted to really go ahead and promote the USCF, the WDA-approved um, Western dressage shows. So let's take the listeners through what schooling show or a non-rated show versus uh, a rated show, USCF and, and the WDAA. Um, so just kind of tell us what the differences are, what the similarities are, um, so that the, the listening audience can kind of have an idea when we start talking about rated shows versus non-rated shows. Well, I have chosen to go not only because I'm a United States Equestrian Federation, actually, who just recently changed their name to the U.S. to U.S. Equestrian. I am um, a licensed official with them, and Good. being that, I have learned to appreciate the benefits that the U.S. Equestrian brings to the not only exhibitor and the trainer, but more importantly, to the welfare of the horse. Um, mm-hmm. They now have the safe sport policy. Correct. Um, and besides that, it's always been the welfare of the horse. Mm-hmm. Um, the benefits are enormous um, as being part of the federation. Number one, um, we are mandated at these United States Equestrian Federation or U.S. Equestrian shows to go above and beyond what is required of a schooling show. As an example, we are required to have an EMT on the grounds at all times during the actual show. We also have to have things like a food vendor, um, different Size shows are required different hours of having a food vendor there. We're also required to have a veterinarian on call and a farrier on call. Um, And also the presence um, of a licensed official 
Um, as an example, at a USEF Western Dressage show, we're required to have a show steward. And that show steward is the liaison between the Federation and the exhibitors, spectators, management, um, to not only make sure that the rules are complied with, but as an educational person who is there, if the exhibitor has a question, if they're concerned about whether their tack conforms to the rules and regulations, that the steward can guide them and show them where to look it up or answer questions um, that they may have. So, wonderful. And we also are um, lucky enough to have a wonderful education program for our judges. Um, we have a large selection of judges. It's growing in leaps and bounds in the Western Dressage discipline, but the Federation educates and um, licenses our judges to make Wonderful. sure that we have the best um, judging system um, in the nation. Tell us a little bit now. Let's go into the, the entry office and um, tell us a little bit from your perspective as a show secretary, show manager, um, we send our entries in. As a matter of fact, I think all my girls just sent all the entries in um, today for the for your February show. So tell us what that all entails. Um, you gave me a couple good pieces of advice um, when you're having to confirm memberships and horse IDs and stuff like that. So tell us what happens once you get the entries in and um, what what you do with them. How you schedule times. I think there's a lot of things that the show secretary does that the exhibitors don't even realize. So kind of bring us up to date there and give us a little education on that. And it does start long before those entries start coming in. <laughs> um, the show, the procedure is you say, I think I will put on a show. And then you decide what the show. You have got to book the facility. You have got to... Um, hire the judges. You have to arrange for transportation and housing for these judges. You have to get a food vendor, get a veterinarian, get an EMT, all lined up. That's far beyond or before you ever receive the first entry. And you, so, you have to can get the date, too. Um, do, are there the same what, rules with Western dressage as there are with regular dressage in terms of not having shows within so many miles of each other? Yes, there are, and um, also, you know, with on those dates, you do have you have to do your homework, and in in for in order also for your show to be successful, especially in these Western dressage um, federation shows where a lot of the people are used to going to a schooling show, you have to make sure you're also not stepping on their toes. Mm. Um, Correct, and also. Some of the breed shows, you know, if, if there's an Arabian show that weekend, you may not get any Arabian horses. Um, no. The fact that there's a quarter horse show, you've got to figure out, okay, are my quarter horse people going to go to a quarter horse show? So, no. yes, you, you do have to be very selective on your date, um, and you have to make sure that your venue is available. And then once you get your entries, um, that's when the fun starts. <laughs> and and if you're doing this and you're not a club, if you're not successful, it comes out of your pocket. There's yeah. nobody. Oh, amen to that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we understand so, that. So you, know, you take on a big responsibility, and um, 
a lot of um, guesswork as to whether or not, you know, it's going to, it's going to work or not. I've been very lucky. I have a great following of exhibitors that keep coming back. Um, and obviously I must be doing something right. And I plan on continuing that. Uh, but when you do, you get the entries. Um, scheduling is um, and can be tricky um, because you have to make sure that exhibitors like Mr. Christensen, Tim here, who has <laughs> multiple horses, maybe riding classes, multiple horses, multiple classes, and also he has customers that he brings his his clientele, and you have to be mindful of the fact that he may have to be available to assist some of them, you know, in getting their horse to the ring, in making sure they're prepared before they get in the ring. So it, it's a it's a balancing act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everybody probably, well, not everybody. Um, I know when I've done show scheduling, there's always the request. Somebody wants the AM ride or the PM ride or they want how many minutes between their rides, um, which I know... I try to, you know, you try to accommodate, but you can't, you can't please everybody all the time. You can just do the best you can. And there are rules with the scheduling that you have to follow, which you don't, um, Karen, I know when you do your schooling shows, yeah. you can schedule rides whenever it's convenient. It doesn't matter if someone's doing a basic ride and then you've got another person doing um, an intro ride and a first level, and then you go back and get another basic course in there. But with the Federation, there are rules. The classes mm-hmm. are to stay together unless, in fact, like as an example, if Tim has, if it's a small class and there's only a couple of horses and he has to switch horses and he's in riding them both, say, in basic level test one, there is a way that you're allowed to schedule him with outside of that little group of people in order to accommodate the fact that he has got to go from horse to horse. Yeah, you can do um, a split class. Correct. But it has to be done according to the rules. He can ride earlier. He can't ride later. So oh, okay. That I didn't know. If he has, yes. If he has two horses, and let's say you have four horses in that class, and Tim's got two of them, and there's not enough time between those two horses, unless you can stick a break in there or break it up with a lunch hour, which mm-hmm. is, you know, happens sometimes, then you can get away with it. But if, in fact, he's got those two horses, and let's say you've got those other three, you have to take one of his horses out and let him ride it early. He cannot ride after. And the, the belief in that is it's not fair to make that other group wait for him to ride in order to find out how they place. So now I know why I end up with the first ride of the day so many times when I'm riding. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... Um, moment. <laughs> as we're going to come and kind of wrap this one up, just as in closing here before we go on to a commercial break, once the show's completed, what do you do with... Uh, is there a timeline for all the results to go in? And what Absolutely. entails that? Absolutely. So Kind of wrap it up with that for us. Absolutely. When the show is finished from the date, midnight of the last day of your show, if it's a multi-day show, you have 10 days in which to report your results in the format acceptable um, electronically to the Federation. Um, 
And you also, within that period of time, have to pay the fees that are due to the Federation. And there are some fees that go along with holding one of these horse shows. Um, you all don't see them because I'm doing these shows as a flat fee show. Right. But there are there are fees for the um, drugs drugs and medication um, program that they have. They they get a chunk of that. So all that has to be in by ten days after the end of the show, or you will be fined and penalized and probably get your name in the uh, magazine that month. <laughs> Nobody likes to be in the back of the U.S. Equestrian magazine. Yeah. So as no. we close up, we, I, I, we hope that the, the listening audience gets a little bit more of a taste of if they're just at a local saddle club doing a fun show as coming up to a, a USCF or a Federation show. And I think one of the, the other big important things that um, we need to bear in mind is that with the Federation shows, those shows and those scores are recorded um, in their records. So it's kind of like when the show or horses get points in a breed, those scores are on with USCF and those are recorded with them and they keep them on file. Um, Correct. So anything else that you think that we would like to know real quickly here, Nanette, before we wrap this session up? Um, I think we pretty much touched most of the main points, yes. Can can I ask one quick question? Yep. Uh, about drug testing, because do they, I know with regular dressage, I've gone to shows and <laughs> there's been a vet there pulling samples and doing drug testing and it's a lottery system. Is that the same with the Western dressage? Um, yes. Well, if they show up, they show up and you have to make a stall available to them. You have to, um, uh, in the Western dressage or in these local shows that I'm doing. And that's one of the things I do by doing my show as a local USCF show. Mm-hmm. Exhibitors do not have to be a member. Mm-hmm. They do not have to join anything. They can just come and participate and so. just like everyone else. So it gives them the opportunity to test out what the Federation has to offer <laughs> Okay. Now I didn't know that's what made a local show different. Yeah. Okay. That's what makes a local show different. Yes. Okay. Um, But back to the drug testing, some of the some of the big shows, um, when they show up, they are required to test the first place horse at like a national show or a world show. Um, They will pull all of the winners and drug Uh, tests. Okay. That's good to know. Okay. Well, thank you, Nanette, for giving us um, the the perspective as from a show secretary. Um, At this point, we're going to take a break. Um, Now, for we're going to now take a break to hear from one of our sponsors, and when we return, we're going to rejoin Nanette, and we're going to talk to her about being a Category Two USCF steward. And thank you, and that's a wrap. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. 
Managing horses can be challenging. Each horse's personality affects the way he behaves and reacts to the world around him. Horses with certain dispositions can be at higher risk for developing health problems than others. High-strung or excitable horses are easily stressed, but so is the timid, quiet warrior. Stressed horses are more likely to develop digestive upsets that lead to colic, diarrhea, and ulcers. Nalox Advanced was specifically developed to support a digestive tract that is under stress. It sustains proper pH levels, reducing the incidence of ulcers and hindgut imbalances, while simultaneously supporting the healing of damaged tissue. Nalox Advanced supports the complete digestion of starches and sugars and sustains populations of beneficial bacteria. Make life a little easier on your sensitive horse and start him on Nalox Advanced today. To learn more about the ingredients in Nalox Advanced, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. And thank you for joining us again. And we are now going to continue on with our our second half um, of our interview with Nanette Reed. Um, in the first portion, we talked about her perspective as being a show secretary. Now we're going to hear from her as a Category 2 USCF steward, what that entails and what her responsibilities are. Nanette, um, thank you for joining us again. Um, so what is a Category 2 USCF steward? A Category 2 USCF steward is an individual who has successfully completed the training program that is um, set forth in the U.S. Equestrian Rulebook, um, passed some tests, done some apprenticing all over the country, um, and then we, what we do is we are hired by show management. Um, Although we are individual independent contractors, we are licensed through the Federation, um, but we are hired by the show to, to be there, um, which is one of the requirements to have a USEF show. And we are there as a liaison. We're there to help not only management, but we're there to help the exhibitors and the trainers and also to... Uh, ensure the safety of the horse. And what's the difference between a steward and a technical delegate? Okay, a steward, maybe I should say what a technical delegate is first. A technical (laughs) delegate is also licensed by the Federation, and their duties are similar, but their expertise lies in the the USDF dressage rules. And they are licensed to be that liaison at a United States Equestrian Federation and United States Dressage Federation show. And they basically do a lot of the same things. They are the liaison. They make sure that the management and the rules are, you know, followed and answer questions, make sure that the proper tack and attire are used. And again, just to be um, there. Their training, as far as for dressage, is much more extensive than the dressage training that the U.S. Category 2 steward gets. So they they do all the FEI shows. Um, You know, they go intro level through training, uh, I mean, through uh, level four, and then on into the FEI test. A Category 2 steward 
who does a breed show, and let's take, for an example, an Arabian show. Mm-hmm. If this Arabian show chooses not to hire a dressage TD, and they have a large R Category 2 steward, we are allowed to oversee the dressage portion of a breed show. If it's, okay. If, they're, um, if and only if their entries are restricted to a specific breed. And we can only do it through fourth level. Mm-hmm. And, a, and a small R, which is um, someone who's newly licensed and doesn't have as much experience, can only go through level two. Okay, through second level. Wow. Correct. Where does where does your um, how do I want to say this? Kind of like your territory. Like I know the judge is responsible for everything that happens in the ring, right? So Correct. you your venue is everything outside of the ring or in everything, and out of the ring? Everything outside of the ring is ours. Um, okay. Although a judge. As an example, I was at a show once, and there was a very large, very obedient, very quiet dog sitting, (laughs) laying down by the ring, and he he was actually um, a great Pyrenees, and they Mm -hmm. had him shaved like a lion. (laughs) My sister has a great Pyrenees, so I I know what that looks like. Every time the horses would come around the corner and look at him, some of them would have a little bit of a hiccup. Yeah. The judge (laughs) radioed me and asked me to have the dog removed. Mm -hmm. And so I very graciously went to the owners, who were horse people, and I explained the situation, and they were more than happy to move the dog. They were like, you know just never even realized what was happening because he was good. He was very quiet. He just laid there and looked mm-hmm. very regal. But um, <laughs> that, that, was time, that was a time when the judge went outside the ring. Yeah. Um, there are times where we see things in the ring. We can't stop them. That's the judge's call. Uh-huh. Um, as an example, if we see blood in the ring on a mm-hmm. horse, we can't stop the class. We can't do anything. But once that horse exits that ring, we can do something. Mm-hmm. But it's in your territory. Yes, we we can we can investigate. We because um, sometimes the judges don't see it because they're too far away. But if they walk, if we see them go down the rail and they're bleeding from the mouth, or they you know have um, a spur mark that is uh, dripping blood, then as soon as they come out of the ring, we we can do something about it and bring it to management's attention. Um, ultimately, the rule, the decision is management. Um, I have never been to a show where I've seen blood brought to management's attention where they have not acted on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think everybody has the welfare of the horse in mind. Mm-hmm. I'd be highly so, surprised. So when we exit the arena, um, this is kind of when I've, you know, the, the stores that I've um, been able to interact with, um, I, when I've exited the arena, they've checked the bit or they check my spurs, they check things. 
tell us a little bit when we come out of the ring, when we go over to the store, what they're looking for. Um, as far as spurs, um, the bit, um, the marks, the, the, the whip, the length of the whip. And then also, um, what I've also found really um, advantageous is if we've questioned a bit or, it, you know, we're back to, we're like, you know, it, it, let's just go up and we, we'll go up and ask the, the stewards, can you tell us if this is legal to set up right? And they're always so gracious and say, yes, it is. Or they'll check the whip before we go show and say, go back and snip some of the fray off the end. So if you could just kind of take us down there when we come out of the arena, what they're looking for um, to make sure that the bits are right and the reins are, are, are appropriate and that type of thing. Give us a little rundown on that. Okay. In the Western dressage um, discipline, the requirements for the steward are to either be the bit checker or oversee the bit checking by a responsible person who is um, knowledgeable. Um, okay. At my particular shows, I have a lady that has been doing this for me for years, and so she does most all of the bit checking. Um, the steward and the and dressage shows you drop the bits, which, oh my I gosh, was, if we I did that in a regular dressage show, we'd have horses all over the showgrounds running around. Exactly. Well, you know, that goes that goes along with what the rainers do. The rainers drop the bit as well. And, and at a I was amazed at that. Required. I mean, it just shows how broke they are. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> well, they changed the rule in 2016 it used, or for this year. It used to be every horse at a Western dressage show had to be bit checked every time they came out of the ring. Now they have oh. changed it. Now they have changed it to say one third of the class. So if there's only okay. one horse in the class, they are going to get checked. If mm -hmm. there are four horses, you're going to check one. Mm -hmm. um, a good bit checker is not going to check that same horse over and over and over again. They're going to select someone, and it's random. And they're going to select someone else. Oh, I already, I already checked him. I don't want to bother him again. I'm going to check Tori. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm? Okay. Uh, yep. So. And also, if that horse, let's say it's the one horse that, that's doing upper levels and there's very few in the class and they're going to get checked over and over again, if they stay in that bit checker's purview with, where they don't go back to the barn, they don't go to their trailer, you know, um, and they're right there waiting for their next class, chances they're, are they won't get bit checked again. Have you ever um, had the a other run away? Um, no, and I wish you hadn't mentioned that. <laughs> <I don't. laughs> so sorry. I don't, yeah, knock I don't. on wood. <laughs> the bad. Now, we have had, we have had in the past, and I'm sure we will in the future, a couple of riders who are not comfortable getting off their horse right there at the ring. And that's the wonderful thing about having a good bit checker and your steward right there, because what will happen is, the steward will go back to the barn, let the person get off their horse, and then they will do let them drop the bit and bit check them. Mm, um, okay. So, so there, you know, there are benefits to having a, a separate bit checker for that particular reason. Now, what the what the designated person does, whether it's the steward or the designated bit checker, when the horse comes out of the ring. 
if they are selected, they have to go to this person, dismount. The checker will ask them to drop the bit. Um, I try very hard to have a halter and lead at the gate mm-hmm. in case they would like to have their horse haltered while during this, you know, period, something to put around their neck, just something. Mm-hmm. So um, that way, the bit is checked, it's put back, the bridle is, is replaced onto the horse. The bit checker also checks the flanks for spur marks uh, to make sure there's no blood. They check if they're carrying a whip, there's a whip regulation. It can be 47 centimeters long, and they will check that and make sure that it's not over. And as Tim said, all of my people and most every place I've ever gone, if you walk up to that steward or that bit checker and say, I would like a courtesy measurement on my whip before I go in the ring, they are happy to do so. We're not there to disqualify people or eliminate people. We're there to make sure everybody has a nice, fun show experience. Well, we can attest that that we've had positive experiences with your shows, Nanette, and that they um, have run smoothly and well, and your gate people are great, and it's 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 been good. And we've taken experienced horses and non-experienced horses there, so it's been a good a good a good deal. So anything as we're going to, as we think about closing up here, any last tidbits or anything thoughts that, that we can as exhibitors do to make it um, easier for the show secretary or easier for the show steward? Um, any little tidbits that we can do? Probably have our horses, you know, broke to bridle and unbridle. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I would say that as, as a whole, my exhibitors, the exhibitors that come to my show are very, very cordial and nice to each other and helpful. Um, what I would say is never, ever, ever hesitate to ask a question. If you don't know something or you have a question, come to the office. I'm happy to answer it. If I don't have the answer, I will do my best to find out the answer. Um, the stewards and the gate people that I hire are there to help you, um, and we will accommodate, you know, people as much as we can, um, as long as we're following the rules. So, you know, don't ask us to break a rule for you because I can't do that. <laughs> but we will do our very, very best to give everybody the best show experience possible. Great. Okay. Well, um, thank you, Nanette, so much for joining us today and just kind of giving us that perspective um, from, if somebody from the, the, to the office. If information and, about your shows, Nanette, is there a website or a, somewhere that they can go on or Facebook, social media? Um, how could they get in touch with you? Um, they can go to showyourhorsellc.com. That's the website. The website will have all the most pertinent information as far as prize list, calendar, um, dates of shows and locations, um, phone number, email address. Also, we do Show Your Horse LLC has a Facebook page. You're welcome to go there. We have quite a, a number. It's a group page. So anybody can join. 
um, you know, feel free to share it. Um, and again, that's where you will find some of the most up-to-date news about new shows and placings and the results are on the website for all the shows. Um, the dates for the upcoming shows, as long, uh, along with the judges, as I get my contracts back, I keep updating that to make sure that everybody knows who is going to be judging. Um, my goal by the end of 2017 is every single judge at my show will have a Western dressage license. Wow. Um you know, I've got three out of four for the February show, and the fourth one is halfway through getting hers. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been working very hard with apprentices and some of these um, small R judges to try to help them get their large R's. Mm-hmm. So we are um, we're working hard to expand that judges pool and mm-hmm. get more judges um, and more educated judges. Mm-hmm. Good. Good for you. I, yeah, I get no less than five or six calls for every show for apprentices. I have to turn people away. Well, there's not well, that many venues. that's encouraging for the industry. Yep. Okay, well, Nanette, thank you once again. We'll see you uh, in a few weeks. Yes, Okay, forward sounds to good. It. Thank you. Two rings, four judges. We're going to have a blast. <laughs> yep. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Our Total Saddle Fit tip of the week is exercise 78 from the book Western Dressage, 101 Western Dressage Exercises by Jack Ballou. Each month, Jack is going to bring us an exercise from her book and other sources too. And each time she's going to explain why the exercise matters, how to do it, and how to measure your progress. So without further ado, let me introduce Jack Ballou. Hi there. This week I'd like to share with your listeners an exercise that I find really effective for helping um, fix rider and or horse asymmetry or crookedness. We all tend to have a stronger and a weaker side. And what I like to do is ride what I call the circle square exercise. And um, it helps get the horse using both of his hind legs equally so that he can carry collection the way we want him to. Now, many riders know that riding good circles with balance and geometry helps the horse load his hind end properly, but the tricky part about circles is if the horse uh, is crooked or the rider sometimes gets a little um, uh, one-sided in his or her seat, maybe sitting too much to the inside or outside, the circles then can get kind of wobbly and they don't do the job we want them to do. So the circle square exercise goes like this. You ride once around a 20 meter circle in either a working jog or a working lope, and then immediately ride around a 20 meter square. And I recommend setting up cones to mark the corners so you can make them as square as you can. After you finish the square, go back immediately to the 20 meter circle again. And you keep alternating, ride one circle, 
and then go out and ride a 20 meter square and then ride another circle and then a square. And you'll find that it really gets your horse adjustable underneath you and it gets you riding with both um, of your seat bones, really feeling them and, and feeling both of your legs and sitting up straight through your hips. And uh, again, the outcome is that you're making your horse straighter and allowing him to be able to carry more weight in his hind end. So this is exercise 78 from my book 101 Western Dressage Exercises and if you try it out and really like it then definitely try out uh, some of the other ones in there and have fun developing your Western Dressage Equine Athlete. Total Saddle Fit has the cinch that you've been looking for for your Western dressage saddle. The shoulder relief cinch actually changes the position and angle of the billets to prevent the saddle tree from interfering with the shoulder. The center of the cinch is set forward to sit in the horse's natural girth groove, while the sides of the cinch are cut back to meet the billets two inches behind where the horse's natural girth groove lies. This brings the latigos from angling forward to becoming perpendicular to the ground, which reduces the saddle's tendency to be pulled forward into the shoulders. With horses that have shoulder interference without angled billets, it simply moves the billets back to keep the saddle further away from the shoulders. The secondary benefit to this shape is the cutback at the elbows. This gives more room for elbow movement as well and prevents galls in the elbow area. You can find the shoulder relief cinch at totalsaddlefit.com. That's totalsaddlefit.com. So you can find our show notes and links to today's guest. On the website at dressageradio.com, you can like us on Facebook. Just search for Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is KarenAbatistaDressage.com, and my email is KarenAbatista, hardest part of spelling my last name, A-B-B-A-T-T-I-S-T-A, at gmail.com. And Tim's website is training for life and that's training and f-o-u-r life.com and your email and my email address is and my email address is t christensen t-c-h-r-i-s-t-e-n-s-e-n 62 at gmail.com and we want to thank our sponsors for today's episode kentucky performance products fairfield inn and total saddle fit thank you for joining us have a nice ride and enjoy your journey. Bye now. 